Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I'm grateful for this opportunity. I thank God and I thank the volunteers who make this possible. I was a Latter-day Saint for over 60 years. I love the LDS people, but we know that there are faithful Latter-day Saints questioning and even leaving the church, some because of church doctrine, some because of church history, others because they can't keep the commandments and they feel guilty and frustrated, and others just don't feel like they can do enough or be good enough, or maybe they don't fit in. We hope and pray that the story you hear tonight will touch your heart and give you hope in Jesus. I'd like to start with a prayer. Father in heaven, we are grateful for this opportunity. We pray your spirit will be with us and that the story shared tonight will touch hearts and soften them. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Welcome Ross Anderson to the show tonight. Appreciate you coming, Ross. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm delighted to be here. Well, you were a Latter-day Saint when you were born, I guess, born into the church, were I was you? born into the church. Tell us a little bit about your history. Yeah. Um, I was born in Salt Lake City. Um, both of my parents were born into the church and raised in the church their wow. whole lives. Yeah. Uh, on my dad's side, we know more about the genealogy there, and th it goes back to the middle 1800s, 1850s, where all my relatives on my dad's side joined the church in the Scandinavian countries wow, and then, uh, just before the American Civil War, and then the, and they immigrated to Zion, wow. as people did in those days, yeah. and, and uh, found their way wow. you know, here to Utah. So your parents were active and temple mm -hmm. attenders and married in the temple, and you were born in the covenant, I guess. I was. And, I was. Our family was very active, and uh, we were so active, I'm one of ten kids. Oh, wow. So, it's a good, faithful a good, Mormon family, good Mormon doing, their, family. doing their part, and uh, it's all we knew. It's our whole life. It's our whole way of life. Uh, yeah. Growing up in the church was. Um, I grew up mostly in Southern California, so mm. being LDS outside of Utah in some ways is different. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, for our family, it was uh, we were dyed in the wool. We Real were close knit family. It was everything to us. The church was yeah. everything. Our whole life. Baptized today, you probably were became a deacon at twelve. Absolutely, all the stepping stones. Yeah. yeah. Seminary and. I'm a four-year seminary stuff. graduate. Oh, good for you. And in California, that means getting up and going to, to seminary at 6.15 in the morning. Oh, they didn't have release so, time. No release time. Yeah. So, so those of us outside of Utah feel like uh, we, we really paid the price to graduate <laughs> from seminary. Yeah, that was a little rougher. I remember we got release time here in Salt Lake, so it wasn't uh, quite as challenging or difficult. So uh, you got uh, a little through high school and started looking toward a mission, I understand. Yeah, all my brothers had gone on missions. I'm one of seven boys mm. and um, in the middle, so I had older brothers who had served missions, and so it was just the natural uh, expected thing that we would do in our family. Yeah. And um, so I was... Uh, to you know, preparing for that, um, I was ordained to the Melchizedek Priesthood, the office of an elder, uh, to prepare for my mission while I was uh, just out of high school. Um, my first year in college, I was still living at home, going to the local school. And um, that was one of the things that really got me thinking about 
the church and about my allegiance to the church. Um, I'd seen that my older brothers had gone places that were challenging, that were difficult, that you would not go on vacation. You're right. Um, and so I knew that they paid a, that there was a cost to their, the sacrifice that they made. I, 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 I uh, appreciated that, but I also started to wonder whether or not that was a sacrifice that I was prepared to make. Do I, did I believe this enough? Did I own this faith enough that I was willing to go out and learn a foreign language and knock on doors and, and live in a, uh, in a little village somewhere in Mexico or wherever <laughs> it might be? Yeah. Um, and so that got me thinking and evaluating why would I do this? Is it just because all my brothers had done it? Is it just because all the men, young men in our ward are doing it? Or is it because I really, really believe it and are con have convictions about it? Wow. That got me thinking. And what did you conclude? <laughs> <laughs> well, I never served the mission. Never, okay, so that... Um, I never served the mission. So it wasn't doctrinal necessarily or any problem <clears throat> with the church at that point, was it? It was well, just the... it was, you know... It, I met I met someone uh, I met a uh, started, was dating a girl around that time and um, she was not from an LDS background she was from a traditional Christian background and um, and so we were we would begin talking about the, I had her seeing the missionaries I would love to have wanted to wanted see her, her converted, converted absolutely to the church, and, yeah. and and so she had but she had answers to the things the missionaries were raising. And that started to get me thinking. <laughs> and then, um, and so we had this conversation, we had this dialogue back and forth. And so we, she started sharing some ideas and information with me, and I was, of course, sharing with her about the church. And because, uh, you know, because I valued that relationship, I was willing to listen and willing yeah. to start reading some things and, and evaluating some things from a different light. Wow. And so there was a, in, in light of that conversation, there were some doctrinal components. I'd say the, the biggest thing that, um, got my attention was the revision, the revisionist history of the church. That there were challenging things about people and things that that happened in the history of the church that were swept under the rug yeah. and that we never learned in in uh, our church history year in seminary. Yeah. Now this was before the internet, certainly. So yeah. where did you come across this stuff? She had. She just had. She it? found. I don't know where she found oh, okay. ways to get it. The main yeah. thing that. The main thing that she had, that she gave me to read, was Gerald and Sandra Tanner's volume on Mormonism: Shadow or Reality. Mm. And so I, that's really probably about questions. all that was available at much yeah. at that time. Yeah. And so, and, and and you can't avoid looking at that. You can't avoid the historical documentation. You know, uh, the quotes are taken, taken right in out context, of right out of church, yeah. right out, right out of the history, the documentary history of the church, and right out of the church's own documents. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm impressed that as a young man you would have that kind of um, insight and willingness to kind of stand on your own. I, I I don't know whether I just was naive. I guess I was, but I just kind of went through the motions. What did your family think of your? Yeah. decision were they well I wasn't that courageous oh <laughs> I wanted to uh, my, my girlfriend was urging me to sit down with my father and have this conversation I didn't really want to do it oh partly I wanted to put it off I mean here's how deep I was I didn't want to do it because I wanted to play on the church softball team oh boy at, you know at, eight, <laughs> yeah. at 19 years old that you don't want to um, jeopardize that <laughs> I didn't want to jeopardize well the certain things that about that were important to me or that value that you know um, I was um, I was coaching the basketball team. There's some other things that in church yeah. life I didn't want to, and I, I didn't want to disappoint our bishop and the people yeah. that I was close to. 
And you didn't necessarily, maybe at this point, think the church was actually false, or well, no, or those yeah, questions it, were the questions were were serious were, enough. Were serious huh? enough that I that I feel like I, I sat down with my dad and I said, um, for these reasons, I don't feel like I can participate in in the uh, life of the church anymore. Wow. Um, because things didn't add up. Things didn't add up intellectually. Was he upset um, at this? You know, he didn't act upset. Mm. I'm sure internally it was a blow to him. Did he think maybe it was temporary and you'd eventually come find your way back? Yes, yeah, certainly. I, I'm sure that he and my mom thought it was a phase. Yeah. That, you know, young people are testing their beliefs sure. all the time and, yeah. you know, kind of figuring life out. So they figured that probably what was going on. So they were kind to me. I didn't get kicked out or <laughs> find my things on the porch right. the next morning or whatever. Do you feel like, uh, and this isn't against really the Mormon concept of families, but do you feel like you got lost at all with 10 children? Was that... Yeah, Ever yeah. a thought? Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, not lost, but... Yeah. Okay, I've I had seven go on a mission, so... Right. I don't think that was a factor, at least consciously to me, that affected my relationship with the church. Um, well, we had a lot of positive things about our family life, yeah. but we weren't necessarily emotionally close. Mm. There's too many kids to... And, and yeah. you know, my dad was sometimes working two jobs to make ends meet and yeah. so forth. Um, that, that a lot of times it was a functional type of relationship. Okay. And of course the church demands a lot from parents and families. Yeah. He's, holding, he's got his callings and you know, all the his rest of the things jobs, that it's yeah. hard to be home and, yeah. and uh, you know, they just weren't able to participate in coming to sporting events or coming to you know, yeah. uh, performances and things like that. How did you feel? Did you feel any guilt at this point? Or I guess guilt's maybe a, the right word, but about not going and letting the family down, but you, you were convicted or felt, felt that the church history w uh, was confusing enough to yeah, give I, you I, some yeah, confidence there. Yeah, you know, I didn't feel guilty about it. I, I think to some extent, in some ways, I was still pretty clueless. I mean, you're 19 years old, yeah. so I mean, what do you know about life in the world? But, um, but I did know enough and I was confident of enough things to know that, you know, this just doesn't add up. Wow. I didn't know what did add up at the time. I didn't have an alternative that yeah. I, you know, that I adopted immediately. But um, but I did know that this 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 doesn't add up. Yeah. And um, well, I think that's so. uh, that's admirable that you'd have that kind of uh, courage. I still think it's it's courageous. So what happens next in your life? After? Well, um, you know, God was working uh, on me, and um, my my girlfriend was going to a Christian church. Um, it was. It was a foreign experience to me. It is different. It, it, isn't it? it was, in, particularly this church was was more formal and more ritual, and so I would go into the service and trying to keep track of when you're supposed to stand up, when you're supposed to sit down, what you say next, you know, yeah. in the liturgy. Um, so that was very, very different from the level of informality and casualness of um, of the LDS sacrament service. Yeah. And then, you know, the pastors wearing robes and things like that that were, again, very, there was candles lit and so forth. They're very, very different. Um, so I would attend with, with her from time to time, not, not seriously. I, did, I do remember having some spiritual or emotional experiences during that period of time where, where I f felt like God was near, where I felt like God was real hmm. um, in, in some of the events that the young adult group was doing. Um, in that Christian in that church. church yeah. I was going to ask you, what was your relationship with Jesus as a, as a Latter-day Saint up through your 
18, 19 year old, years old? I, my relationship, I assumed that Jesus was real and existed and at some level was our savior, um, not in the sense of fully, completely trusting in him and him alone, as I understand the Bible teaches now. But, um, you know, it was a, Jesus was a given as part of the wallpaper, so to speak, of our life. Just, just, just there. Just there, Just yeah. there, you know, and yeah. mostly, uh, you know, I was trying to do the things that you, as a young man, you're supposed to do in the church. Yeah. Priesthood assignments and right. go, we went to the temple to be baptized for the dead. We did our service projects in the orange groves and, yeah. you know, things like that. You just do them because in my experience, that was just what our what family did. did. Same yeah. with the Bible. How was your relationship with the Bible at uh, Latter-day Saints? I didn't really understand the Bible. I mean, we, we did, you know, you, you study the Bible in seminary. In seminary, sure. But upon reflection, I realized that our study of the Bible in seminary was basically looking to the Bible to proof text the Mormon ideas. So I think you know the whole thing was started with the basic ideas of Mormonism, and, and then they'd pick and choose, Funs. cherry pick from the Bible yeah. to find ways to support that. We didn't really ever read the Bible for itself, or let it speak for itself, or really ask, what is this really saying to us? I was the same way for 60 plus years about the Bible. I just figured it was proof text, as you say, mm -hmm. for the Book of Mormon or for the Doctrine and Covenants or practices and doctrines. Yeah. That's an interesting yeah. insight. So then uh, you make some decisions about your life. Well, <laughs> God was at work, like I mentioned. And um, at the time when I, when I came out of Mormonism, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't really have an alternative. Yeah. I just became kind of nothing and talked about or thought of myself as a Christian without really understanding biblically what that means. And so there was a period of a couple of years after that where God began to work internally. Mm. The first phase that I call it, there's kind of a two-phase conversion for me to Christ. The first phase was intellectual, where you know I kind of realized that the church uh, history and things didn't add up. Yeah. And then the, then the second phase was spiritual. And that's where God began to... Um, reveal my heart to me over the over the course of time. Um, I remember um, going to that church. I have no idea whether the gospel message of salvation uh, through Christ, the grace of God through Jesus Christ, through faith alone, if, whether it was ever taught. It might have been taught, and I wasn't capable at that time of hearing it. You're it, talking about the Christian in the church. Christian church. Okay. Yeah, if it was taught, I didn't hear it. But that might have been me because yeah. I remember. Uh, my girlfriend bringing home a little gospel tract one time that it explained, and I've seen it since, and it explains the gospel very, very clearly, the biblical truth. And to me, we looked at it, she wanted, I guess, was trying to witness to me or something, but it might as well have been written in Chinese. Just wasn't to the level of it. my comprehension, it just yeah. went right past me. I guess we'd call that our eyes are blind at that, this yeah, point, even, even though you're, blindness, yeah. you're trying. You feel like there's some connection with with God at this point. But Some awakening still, toward yeah, God, yeah, in a yeah. real way, but, but my, I was still blinded. And then, yeah. you know, because God, I think, needed to take me through a, a phase of deconstructing my whole religious identity <laughs> because, you know, as a Latter-day Saint, I grew up um, cultivating a veneer of external righteousness. You know, you, you look a good veneer, to other people, yeah. but it's only... So thin. shallow, yeah. Right, because I never reflected on my heart condition, only on what are the next things I have to do, uh -huh. you know. 
And so, so being removed from that uh, environment, then I was, I think the next thing God did was, you know, was able, I was able to start looking inside and the Holy Spirit began to direct my attention toward my inner, uh, my soul condition. Wow. And uh, being in college, doing some fun things and achieving certain things, and it was, you know, it should have been a great time of life, and it was in some ways, but against the uh, backdrop of, of all the things that were going on in my life, I began to experience an increasing sense of futility, an increasing sense of emptiness. Wow. And God was showing me, kind of stripping away that veneer, yeah. you know, and beginning to show me what my heart looked like in its depths. And beginning to, I think, bring me to the place where I recognize the need for a savior. That's kind of a hard process for some of us that are <laughs> proud, isn't it? To yeah. to realize that we're not uh, not in charge or we're yeah. not we don't know everything. Yeah. Wow. So what's uh, what happens next then? Well, I, I had a friend of mine. Um, I was going to college again, the local school near our home, and um, where my dad was actually a professor. So oh. I'm still oh. living at home. We're carpooling to school together okay. and. Um, but I was working on campus, and one of the students there who was working in the same office, um, you know, she must have heard me talking or, or you know, as, as if I was some kind of a Christian, and she could tell the difference, and she could oh. see through that. So she invited me to, to come to church with her mm -hmm. one Sunday night. And, um, and it was a different kind of church. It was different in style, but also as a different place. I got there, it was a Sunday evening, we set up way up in the balcony, as far away from the preacher as <laughs> I could get, but um, he was teaching directly from the Bible, through this, you know, section by section, through this passage of Scripture. Which isn't the normal thing you were accustomed to. It was no, yeah. not the normal thing I was accustomed yeah. to in the LDS church or in this other church. Right. Um, the Bibles were open, and as he was teaching from the uh, parable of the sower, it's in the Gospels, so sometimes it's called the parable of the four soils. The sower goes out to sow the seed. The seed is the word of God, and it lands on different kinds of soils, representing different responses yeah. of the human heart. Yeah. And the parable talks about the person who uh, never receives it at all, the person who receives it joyfully but without, without a root, uh, and, and, and the person who it gets choked out by the cares of this world. And he, so he's describing the fourth soil, the seed of the word of God lands in a person's heart, and it grows and begins to bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And he's describing this fruitful life that is created by God's word in the heart of a responsive person. And I'm hearing him talk about this in complete contrast to the things I'm feeling about my own life and the realizations I'm making and about, about my own life and its, and its sort of emptiness yeah. and futility. And so I, I had a, a moment of spiritual awakening. The Holy Spirit just came and birthed something. Wow. And, you know, and, uh, and I, I made a, you know, it wasn't an evangelistic message. <laughs> it was for me. Yeah. But there was no uh, invitation to receive Christ or no particular. He was just teaching through just the teaching Word of God, that. you know. Sure. But, you know, the Bible itself says that God's Word is living and active and able to penetrate and, and divides the heart and the, so, you know, the soul and the spirit. And that's what happened that, that night. The Word wow. of God went to my heart and... I remember consciously making a decision that was deeper in my soul even than, you know, words forming in your head. You know, wow. you know how in your you might you can say words and then a deeper level is you kind can form the words, through, think yeah. the words in your head. This, this was a deeper level than that where 
where I surrendered to God and said, I, want, I need you to come and do that. What, I'm, what he's saying, I need you to come and do that in me. And wow. from that moment on, my life changed. That was the moment when I was made alive in Christ and uh, forgiven of my sins. And I, I, I didn't understand all that at the time. Yeah. But in retrospect, it wasn't hard to figure out what had happened because it was revolutionary. And the process, you could see probably the process God was using in your life to, mm -hmm. to make that so important when it did happen. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And so... Uh, did you share that with anybody? Were you able to discuss this with anybody? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I discussed it with my friend who brought me, and yeah. I discussed it with uh, the girlfriend that I'd been dating who helped me to leave Mormonism. Oh, okay. And the funny thing is, this is one of the, one of the evidences of um, the Holy Spirit making a person alive. You know, at that, night, that night he made me alive in, in Christ that almost immediately I knew where I had gone from this spiritual blindness and lack of perception, and immediately after that, I knew that my relationship with this girl was wrong. Wow. There, were, there were elements of that the relationship that were wrong. Yeah. And, so, um, I, I, and uh, so I talked to her about that, <laughs> and she broke up with me. Oh, wow. <laughs> which is great, which is God's provision. He used yeah. her to bring me to a certain point, yeah. and that was time to move on. And, and grow in some other ways. Now, after this experience and and her and everything, did the I guess Jesus meant differently to you at this point? Oh, absolutely. The Bible opened yeah. up for All, you. It's like it's like a, a blind person suddenly being able to see. I, was, I felt the it's same just way. Amazing. It was just amazing. It's like where That's where's so... this been in all my life? And why didn't I get this? <laughs> You know, before. Now you actually have dedicated your life to Christ. You're a teaching pastor with the Alpine churches here in, in I guess, mm -hmm. Layton and Yeah, we have uh, we have one it's one church with four campuses, Layton, okay. Riverdale, West Haven and Logan. Yeah. And I'm on the teaching team there. Wow. And have you a number of LDS formerly LDS people that attend? Yeah, and, quite a few. And you've spent time with them counseling quite and a so few, on? Yes. Can uh -huh. you, any mm -hmm. experiences or stories? Well that there's you there's many, care to many share? stories. In fact, <laughs> There's many, many stories. In fact, this has been one of the things that I've made a study and a particular interest of mine. Um, so I've been a pastor in Utah for almost 29 years. Wow. And then having left Mormonism myself and living here in this environment, one of the things that God's really put on my heart to develop and to pay attention to over the years is really, help, is really trying to understand that journey yeah. of leaving Mormonism and not just leaving Mormonism, but but finding your way. How do you find your way into a healthy new relationship with, with a biblically Christ. based church, uh, with Christ, right. in the context of a church that honors Christ and teaches the Bible? What and are so, some of those common problems, or what have you learned? Oh, a lot of things. Um, well, there there's um, there's family issues, especially in Utah. Yeah. Um, where you're, you're you're immersed in a large extended family. Um, and so it's easy to feel cut off from your family. It's easy and often for uh, your family to distance themselves from you. Um, they don't want you as a, you know, considering you to be an apostate. Yeah, they don't, they want, don't you want you to, to, to infiltrate their, their children or, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and from, you know, also not just that. Sometimes there's, I mean, I've seen people divorce their spouse because they left the Mormon church. Wow. Which is heart-wrenching it is and especially for a church that prides itself on the value of family right to say that well this is really more important than family to them wow um, and then you know in my experience as well as others um, my family ha has been kind to me 
Um, but but there's now there's got there's certainly a distance. There's a distance because I'll give you an illustration. We have a family reunion every two years. The last time we had a family reunion, the Saturday morning activity was to go visit the LDS temple. Well, so my wife <laughs> and I going <laughs> were not able to participate in the family activity. So kind of a subtle um, message there. I yeah, guess, they're they're but... not trying to send a message. They're uh -huh. just unaware. Yeah, they're just unaware that you know, this their world. They're wrapped up in their world. Yeah. That's all they know. They believe in it. It's so important to them. So they just de didn't even think about yeah. the outsider sometimes. Well, in your experience and, and this moment that you had, and I, f I feel like I've had where the blinders came off. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like some of the LDS people that come and visit you are are still blind? Or what? How do you bridge that gap? What do you tell them? Yeah, to... by the time they get to me, you know, or get to church. By the time, I, my experience is by the time a person comes so far that they're willing to walk through the doors of a different church. With a cross they, on it. <laughs> they've come quite a ways. They've come at a church that serves coffee yeah, like we do. So they're but, a little um, more receptive. Yeah, by then they've saying? already dealt with some of the issues. Oh, okay. Now it, they've already dealt with um, sort of uncoupling themselves to some extent from their LDS thoughts. At least willing to it's, take a new look. Exactly. Maybe, huh? And so there's a lot of questions. We have spent a lot of time debriefing people, uh, understanding the biggest, the two biggest ones theologically. Number one is the doctrine of the Trinity, yeah, and uh, the biblical understanding of the nature of God. God. Yeah. And the other one is really grace. It's really not only understanding grace conceptually that really it's all by grace. It's not about my worthiness. Yeah. It's not about my merit. It's about God's mercy and that gift that He's and, given us. And it's us. a gift, and how, and and learning and, and getting that conceptually, but also then learning to experience that in life. Yeah. You know, I can get it conceptually, but I but do I really feel that, and do I really act on the basis of the idea that my acceptance before God is um, not based on performance? In any way. Well, when these when these Mormons come to you and say, "Well, well I'm Christian," um, I don't know if they believe in the concept of being born again as as in being baptized and be given mm -hmm. the gift of the Holy Ghost. But what's your argument, or what do you share with them about being born again? Yeah, the most important thing on that whole debate is to is to understand the words. What does that word even mean? You know, are yeah. we? We're, sometimes we're debating about you know, two different ideas because we're using the word in two different ways. So yeah. I want people to understand that it's really about where you stand personally with God yeah. and your experience with Him. Have you trusted in Christ and Christ alone to be right with God? Or are you trusting in anything else, in yourself, your church, uh, you know, your goodness, in anything else? Back, so to, the, back this, to that grace. That, that, that complete gift. grace. Yeah. And so historically, that's what Christian has always meant around the world and throughout time has been a person who has placed their trust for eternal salvation in Christ and Christ alone. Christ alone. And see, sometimes, and I guess you run into this a little bit with the different Bibles and kinds of things mm -hmm. that the Christian Jews and we use, but, um, and that's the argument is that there's so many different kinds mm -hmm. of Bibles and so on, but the basic message of grace and that gift is there. Well, you've got just a second or two. I can't believe our time's gone, but uh, what do you tell the LDS people? What would you share with them as a, a last word to them? Yeah, I t let me t tell you, Earl, I, I would share that um, it's okay to think. It's okay to examine ideas. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's not 
really as scary to leave as you thought. Um, you know, there and really not be is, afraid to and not be and afraid to have the, to have the courage and the intellectual honesty to give it a, a look, to wow. go take a look. Ross, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. I know you've touched some hearts, and I hope people out there will actually take the opportunity to ch to check out and, and be honest with themselves, see if they aren't following the gospel of Joseph Smith. Good night, everybody. See you next week. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an Ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Music